0: the privilege this morning to introduce our guest speaker. Um, some people asked me when they found out if Pastor Peter, when Pastor Peter's out of town, are you preaching this morning? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> um, it's been a busy week, and I am thankful when I do get to preach, but I'm also thankful that we have Michelle Sanchez here, a member of New Community, um, first and foremost, but also an executive minister of our denomination. She serves as Make and Deepen Disciples for the Covenant. Um, her dream is to foster a multi-ethnic movement of disciples who make disciples across ages, all ages. Prior to this role, Michelle served at a local covenant church in the Boston area at High Rock Covenant Church. She was previously in leadership. On the Lausanne Committee for World Evangelism and worked as an investment banker for Goldman Sachs. Um, she did her education studies or MDiv and it, demon at, not demon, theology of ministry at, in Boston at Gordon Conwell. So come on up, Michelle. Michelle and I have had the privilege to sit down and talk about her vision for Make and Deepen Disciples, and I think it really has a home at New Community. So I'm excited for you to hear some of her vision this morning. So let's welcome her this morning.
1: Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here preaching today. I've been here for about a year and a half um, with my family. We moved here from the East Coast so that I could take on this position at Covenant offices uh, here in Chicago as Executive Minister for Making Deep in Disciples. But this is my first invitation. I was very pleased to receive it to, to preach here at New Community. Um, You know, before we begin, I think it would only be appropriate to acknowledge the fact that this is Memorial Day weekend. Um, So why don't we begin first just with a little pause, moment of silence, to remember all of those who have given their lives so that we could worship in freedom, and then I will open us with prayer. Lord God, we do not want to take granted for one moment that there are many places in the world where disciples cannot worship you freely. We thank you that most of us have known nothing but freedom for our entire lives. And we thank you for all of those who have given their lives so that we can have this kind of incredible freedom. We ask that you would empower us to use this freedom well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I work for our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, but I know that in this room there are probably varying degrees of understanding about what is the covenant as we like to say. Um, So I thought I would just start out by saying that the covenant is one of the fastest growing denominations in this country. It is also known for being very very multi-ethnic, really committed at the same time to both evangelism and justice, which I love. It has ministries on five continents of the world. And my family and I have grown to love the covenant deeply. We hope that you will also get to know and love the covenant. And I would say that here at New Community, we really do exemplify uh, all that is great about the covenant. So we say that our mission in the Evangelical Covenant Church is to join God on God's mission to make more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just world. And each part of that is important. Uh, Two years ago, my family moved here from the East Coast to further that mission when I took on the role on the Make and Deepen Disciples team. And I'm blessed to have a phenomenal team, some of you, may already know Beth Severson, who is on our team as the director of evangelism. She preached here. She introduced us to the BLESS initiative to empower us to do outreach better. I want to introduce you also to my family. (laughs) So while I work to make disciples... In the church, my husband, Mickey, um, he has a call to make disciples on college campuses. So he works with InterVarsity at Northwestern University. However, our favorite place to make disciples is right at home with our two favorite disciples in all the world, my son, Seth, and my daughter, Hope. So I'm all about discipleship. So obviously, what I want to talk to you about today is disciple-making. I want to reimagine what disciple making looks like, what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus, as well as give you some fresh ideas of what that could look like for you. So we begin today with a question, and it's a question that you have probably been asked many, many times in your life, but I want to ask it in a different way today. And that question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? You're never too old to get that question, by the way. So what I'm talking about, though, is not dreams for your career or for your family or for your retirement or for winning the lottery. (laughs) Those are great dreams to have. Um, But I'm asking you a different kind of dream about what you want to be when you grow up. What I'm talking about today It's discipleship dreams. Discipleship dreams. I want to know, what dreams do you have for who you're becoming as a disciple of Jesus Christ? When you grow up into full maturity as a disciple of Christ, what do you want to look like? At the end of your life, when you look back at your discipleship journey, what do you hope to see? I mean, what's the point? Why are you here? (laughs) Why are you bothering with all this? There's some destination that you must have in mind, right? How will you know when your dream came true? If it came true, do you have a clear picture of what that would look like? And even more importantly, is your dream for discipleship the same as Jesus' dream? Now, I must admit that this talk today is primarily targeted at those who are already committed as disciples of Jesus, but I want to address anyone here who is not yet committed to Jesus, who may still be exploring or asking questions. You can look at today as an opportunity to actually understand what looking like a Christian actually is. I mean, what is the point of all this? What are we aiming for? So hopefully you will also learn a little bit today as well about that. So I like pictures, okay? Um, So I brought some pictures for us today. And I suspect that when many of us consider our own dreams for discipleship, whether we know it or not, we have a picture. We have some kind of image in our mind And that probably depends on your personality as well as what's been emphasized on your journey of faith so far. So I brought four pictures. There's probably more, but these are the the, the four most common pictures that I come across when talking with Christians. So what I want you to do um, as I put up these four pictures is think about which one do you relate to the most? Which one do you resonate with the most? Again, you probably resonate with a little bit in all of them, but but try to pick one, and and then we'll come back to it at the end. Okay, so when you think about, okay, when I'm a mature Christian, I'm a mature disciple, some people have the image in their mind of a saint. They have a spiritual image. What they think about is having a deep and ongoing connection with God. They are prayerful. They always seem to have a sense of God's guidance and presence. They are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They are spiritually mature. Okay, the second image, I call this the sage, it's an intellectual image. And the emphasis with the sage is both on knowledge and wisdom. Sages are always referring to the word of God. They know it deeply. As well, they are wise with regard to the Christian life. They are the people you think of when you want advice for something in your faith. And they know how to share that wisdom with others well. These are both pretty good pictures, right? (laughs) They're both right, by the way. None of these are wrong pictures. Okay, the the third one emphasizes relationship. We'll call this the socialite. I just wanted to find S words. Okay, so the socialite. These are disciples who know how to develop their relationships. They have healthy friendships and marriages and families. They are emotionally healthy. We know something about that, right? We did a whole sermon series on that. They do conflict well, they're able to extend forgiveness, pursue reconciliation, and they are surrounded by people who love them. I mean, look at this picture. Don't you want that for your life? Okay, and finally, we have the picture of a servant. So some gravitate most toward the missional image of serving. They are the givers. They're always giving of themselves, of their time, of their talent, of their treasure. They are sacrificial, and they love mercy and do justice whenever possible. This, too, is something we want to strive for. Okay, so let's take a look at all four pictures again. And again, I call these the four most common pictures that Christians have of what it looks like to be mature, what you're aiming for. So, I want to actually ask you to raise your hand and, you know, which one resonates with you the most. So, who resonates the most with the spiritual image of maturity? Hi, so we can see. Okay, excellent. How about the intellectual image? Wisdom. Good, good. Relationship. I like that. Okay. And finally, servant. Oh, a lot of servants at Newcom. Nice. Okay, so um, as you'll see, there were a fair number of hands that were raised for all of them. And I do believe that God has shaped us all uniquely with uh, special gifts for his kingdom. And all of these images are good and are right. But of course, today, what I want to do is give us a picture which I believe expresses an even bigger dream for what mature discipleship looks like. So, to do that, I don't want to just give you my own dream. Let's take it back to Jesus, as we should, and ask the question of what was his dream for discipleship. So we are going to focus today on just one verse, (laughs) because there's a lot in it. Matthew 4.19. When Jesus first calls his disciples, he made his dream Very plain. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Jesus' dream, essentially, was that we would not just be disciples, but disciples who make disciples. Right from the start, he said, go fish for people. I'll show you how. So let's break down Jesus' dream into three parts so we get the fullness of it. First, he said, come follow me. Come follow me. So a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And this word follow is not to be taken lightly. There is a great book. It's called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. And he points out that there is a huge difference between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Our challenge today as disciples is to stop being fans of Jesus, first of all, and to start being followers. All right, what does a fan look like? A fan is an enthusiastic admirer, right? They are an audience member. They come and enjoy the show. They put Jesus fish on their cars, wear t-shirts, give to support the cause. Jesus has plenty of fans today. He has plenty of fans today, and he had plenty of fans when he was alive, just as there were huge crowds that followed him when that was the in thing to do. But what Jesus really desires are not fans, but followers. Completely committed followers. Followers who are willing to pick up their cross and follow him every day. Followers who make Jesus the Lord and leader of every part of their life. And obey all that he commanded. Jesus did not say, come sign up for my fan club. You'll have fun. <laughs> he said, come follow me. So my first question, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? We can't go anywhere else without you being a follower. Second, Jesus says, I will make you. I will make you. So a disciple is also someone who is being transformed by Jesus. Now notice I didn't say that they're transforming themselves. This is a beautiful thing. Jesus calls us to follow him, but he doesn't call us to do it on our own. Thank the good Lord. (laughs) Jesus promises to make his disciples, to make us into what he wants us to be. He'll do that hard work. Disciple is someone who submits to undergo that transformation. So, He does the work. There is a part, though, that we have to do, and that is to yield. (laughs) To yield our will to Jesus and let him do that work, even when it hurts, because sometimes it will hurt. Just like a surgeon needs to cut open the patient, to get out the cancer, sometimes Jesus' transforming work in us won't feel that good, okay? Okay? But it will heal us, and it will transform us into what we want to be. So we need to be willing to say yes every day to carrying that cross of discipleship, to yielding to his work in our life, and he'll do the rest. We can trust that. So, second question for you today. Have you plateaued in your spiritual journey Are you still, every day, allowing Jesus to transform you? If I were to pull you aside today and ask you, how is Jesus transforming you now? Would you be able to answer that question? A disciple is someone who is being transformed by Jesus. (laughs) Consciously. Okay. And finally... A disciple is someone who fishes for people. Now let's talk about that. A disciple is someone who is on mission with and for Jesus. And here Jesus describes the essence of that mission as fishing for people. So a disciple is someone who makes disciples. And friends, we've lost that understanding In the church today, not at the beginning. Not at the beginning, that's why it grew so quickly. A disciple is someone who leads people to do what we've been talking about. To follow Jesus, to be transformed by him, and then to join his mission. That's what disciple making is. Jesus' dream then for us is what? That we would be disciples who are powerfully mature in every way that we've already talked about, but who also multiply. They multiply. That is the point. So what about you? When you thought about your discipleship dreams, do they include multiplication? Are you, right now, a disciple who makes disciples, a disciple who is fishing for people. Now, listen, fishermen don't always catch fish, right? This is true. You do not control that part, (laughs) but you can control whether or not you're in the boat fishing. So let's get back to that new picture, that, that other picture that I wanted to show you today. I believe that this picture has the power to include aspects of all of the other ones, but also takes us one step further, adding an important element that we overlook. And that picture that I want to show you is the picture of a parent. So a fully mature disciple looks like, looks like a spiritual mother or father. A fully mature disciple is mature in every way that we've talked about. They are spiritually mature and they serve and they give and all those good things. But be, but they don't stop there. <laughs> you understand? They don't stop there. They also multiply their life in the next generation. They make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We could learn a lot as we think about what is the process that Jesus intended for spiritual growth simply by thinking about the model that God has given us for human growth. (laughs) It's all human. What happens to all humans? Well, we're all born at some point. We grow as children, and then we become young adults, and then... The majority of humans, when they become adults, multiply in some fashion. They reproduce. How do we have so many billions of people in the world today? Because of this cycle. And this is the same thing that God intends for the kingdom. God intends for most disciples to multiply their lives. This is how the church grows. And it's not just for the professional Christians, the professional disciples like me. We don't grow that way. We don't, we don't flourish that way. We flourish when most of us <laughs> are involved in that ministry of multiplication, when that's just a natural thing that we do. If we really want to advance the kingdom of God in our generation, if we really want to make a difference we need this fresh picture, this fresh dream of discipleship, missional discipleship to take hold. Discipleship, I think, is misunderstood today. It was never meant to consist just of showing up in church on Sundays. My friends, this is not discipleship. I like this. <laughs> I like it. I like coming to church on Sundays, but this is not discipleship, okay? Discipleship was never meant to be just a program in the church or something optional. Well, I'm doing discipleship now, but um, I'll be done with that in 12 weeks when the class is done. And discipleship goes further than living a life of personal holiness and justice. Jesus' dream for us as a community of faith was bigger when he first called his disciples, and it's the same for us today. He wants us to be disciples who make disciples. Every one of us. Now, if this was our dream, if this was the dream that we all were aiming for, it would have an amazing exponential impact on the kingdom of God. Why is the church shrinking in, in most of North America? Not outside of that, by the way. Um, not much of the world. It's still growing. But, but it's shrinking here. And I believe that part of that is that we don't think in these terms. To be a disciple is to be on mission. To be a disciple is to make disciples. They're not separate things. What if every disciple, what if every one of us fully matured and then made just one disciple in your whole life, your entire life? The church would double in every generation. It's not a bad rate of growth. (laughs) It's better than we're doing now. But, you know, there's yet another reason to become a disciple who makes disciples. There are so many believers who seem to be basically bored or disillusioned with being a disciple. But be- perhaps I want to suggest that is because their dreams for discipleship are not the same as Jesus' dreams. Not quite. Because truly, there is no greater joy, no greater adventure than devoting yourself to this dream. To being a disciple who makes disciples. And I know this great joy and this great adventure from experience, and I don't want you to miss out. I want to share just one story from my life about what this joy has looked like for me and why I've committed myself to do what I'm doing now. So I want to show you first a photo of me and my best friend. Her name is Athena, and we took this picture when we were students at NYU. We met during our freshman year, and I can tell you, I absolutely loved this girl. Now, we had so little in common. I was this tall, outspoken black girl from the Bronx, and she's a petite, little, Taiwanese, shy, international student. So lots and lots that was different, but we also had something in common inside. We connected. We did everything together. Uh, We became roommates and were best of friends ever since we first met. Um, And one of the things that we loved was cherry blossoms. And so every spring we would look, we would try to find the prettiest cherry blossoms to enjoy them together. This was taken in Central Park. We climbed the tree, took the picture. I don't know if we're supposed to do that, but this picture remains my favorite picture of us. Now, another thing that was different in our relationship um, was that she was a devout Buddhist, and I was a Christian. And I wanted very deeply for her to know Jesus Christ. I had no idea where to start. I began to pray for her and pray for her. And one evening, after I was coming home from Bible study, she was uh, in our dorm room on the bed reading or something. And I just started with a question. And I said, Hey, um, you know, we've talked about just about everything, but we've never really talked about faith. I would love to do that. Could you tell me about your faith? What do you believe? And why do you believe it? I mean, she had these um, like images that she would pray to on the wall. Her diet was very strict. I started asking her to explain. Tell me about your faith. And she did. Uh, That evening, I learned a lot about what it meant to her. And she started asking me all of the same questions. (laughs) Which was great, of course. Because then I got a chance to start telling her about Jesus and my relationship with him. And why I wanted her to know him, too. (laughs) So we started a conversation at that point that lasted for many years, actually. I was committed to sharing with her, praying for her. And over the years, we made a lot of progress. Um, she, She began to become more and more interested and attracted to the person of Jesus, which was beautiful. But, There were many, many obstacles as well along the way. Um, And she began to say things like, Michelle, I don't know if I'll I'll ever become a Christian. Um, I just don't know if that will happen. So I almost gave up hope in Jesus' discipleship dreams. For me and for her, could God really use me to make a disciple? Didn't seem that way. But we serve the God of all hope. You know that? One of my favorite verses in the scriptures is Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you. What does it say? May the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God began to do a work in my life at that time. I was working on Wall Street. I'd started a Bible study, and it was my turn, and the theme that week happened to be hope. And so I led the group in a Bible study on that topic. We had a conversation, and the Lord began to open my eyes. You have hope only when it's dark, only when it seems like there's no reason to have it. That's when we need it the most. And the Lord challenged me that evening to pray for people I had given up hope in. I'd given up hope for some reason. And I thought about Athena. That night, I prayed for her, and I asked the group, pray for someone you've given up hope on tonight. Because we serve the God of all hope. And so I did that. I didn't think too much of it. But I did that. So that weekend was Easter, that upcoming weekend. And Athena was scheduled to leave the country. She was going to visit a friend in Canada. But she got to the airport, and they told her, sorry, you can't get on the plane. Um, Your visa is going to expire in a couple months, and you you need more time than that in order to to leave, which she didn't know. So she called me and said, Michelle, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, it's Easter. Want to come to church with me? Yeah, sure, she says. Now, she'd been to church with me on Easter before. In fact, maybe every Easter she had been with me in a church at that point. And so I didn't think anything of it. I invited her. She came. And there was another guy that I invited as well um, that we were sharing our faith with at the time. So, you know, it was a normal Easter Sunday. Typical resurrection sermon. Nothing too special. And I thought, You know, not not today. Not today for her. But we were driving home in the car. She's in the back seat. And she says, Michelle, something really extraordinary happened to me today in church. And I said, what, did you like that guy that I brought with me? (laughs) I mean, he was a cute Asian guy. I thought maybe she wanted, I don't know. Um, But she just laughed and said, no, no, no. Um, so Michelle, as I was sitting there listening to the sermon, I had a vision, I had a vision of Jesus on the cross and it was like lightning struck me. I knew he did that for me. And I felt something like a rushing wind flow through my body. Like it was like water was cleansing me. It was amazing. Michelle, I believe. I'm driving the car. What are you saying? Swerve over. We're, we're in Brooklyn. Um, and I, we, we jump out of the car, and I'm like hugging her on the sidewalk, jumping up and down. What are you saying? What is happening? Michelle, I believe. I get it. So we went out for dinner. I took her to dinner right away after that. And I told the waiter, it's her birthday. Bring her a cake. <laughs> so he did. Um, I couldn't believe it, friends. Just a few weeks before that, I had thought, i I'd given up hope in this girl. God can't use me to make disciples. Come on. The next day, I wrote her a letter. This is just a little excerpt from it. Dearest Athena, I just want you to know that yesterday was the best day of my life. I have prayed for you for five years. I've prayed in small groups. I've prayed in large groups. I have prayed with people at Goldman Sachs, at Campus Crusade for Christ, and at fellowship groups. I have prayed with my mother. I have prayed with Mickey, and I have prayed alone. I have prayed in bed, on the floor, in church, at school, at work, on the sidewalk, in buses and subways and airplanes. I have prayed for you on five continents, right here at home as well as in places as far away as Japan and Taiwan. In fact, I do not think that I have ever prayed for any one person so much in my entire life. And to see all those prayers that I have prayed for all these years finally answered, That was one of the highlights of my life. I got to celebrate her baptism with her. Threw her a big party, cut cake with her, um, and it was an incredible joy to be a part of that, that first part of the Great Commission, right? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then I began the journey of helping her to grow and mature in her faith. She said to me soon after she became a Christian, Michelle, if you could find a way to keep doing this for people like me, it would be amazing. She didn't know anything about Jesus before we started talking. And now he was everything to her. So, God gave me an opportunity, a crazy opportunity. It was beautiful timing. Um, The campus ministry that I was with in college started a ministry to international students. And a couple years after I started working, I left that to help them launch a ministry at NYU to international students. Now, I thought that there was no greater joy than making disciples. But I was wrong. There is something even better than that. Athena became a disciple with a passion to make disciples. So the next picture I'm going to show you is an international student Thanksgiving where she is sharing her testimony and seeking to make more disciples. We had studied business together, and years later, she went to work for World Vision. And the final picture is of her in Africa, where she is doing microenterprise work, continuing to multiply the gospel in word and deed. That picture is a miracle. I mean, <laughs> there is no other way to describe it. The adventure of taking her from not knowing Jesus at all to being a global disciple maker, there is nothing like it. So, why am I here? Why did I make this crazy journey across the United States to become executive minister of Make and Deepen Disciples? It is because my desire is for every person in the Evangelical Covenant Church, that includes you, (laughs) to have that same joy, to know the joy of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, just like it happened in the early church. I believe that that was Jesus' dream for us. And it has the power to change you, our church, our community, the world. Jesus' first words to his disciples, once again, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. They were about discipleship, multiplying discipleship, and his final words to them, fast-forwarding to the end of the book of Matthew, were the same. Go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you even until the very end of the age. This is the dream for discipleship which Jesus lived out in his own life. And the beautiful thing, my friends, perhaps my favorite part of the Great Commission is knowing that we don't have to do it alone. He says, surely I am with you always. I am with you as you dive into this disciple-making dreams. Of all the dreams, of all the dreams that you have, that you could devote yourself to, my friends, this is the one to give your life for. This is the dream that we know can come true because God has the power to make his own dreams come true, I think. You know, we often get distracted in life and even in church by many, many good things. But I'm here to remind us today that disciple-making is the essence of what this is all about. Don't miss out. I want to let you know um, that we're having conversations here at Newcom about how we can integrate disciple-making more into the fabric of our church, and I am very excited about that. I am thrilled that Pastor Zox is here now, because that is an area that he's passionate about, and hopefully it will become more a part of all that we do in spiritual growth. Some of you may also have heard that we have a ministry here of discipling college students. And in fact, today we're going to have a celebration um, for them and the journey that they've been on. And so we're getting started with this disciple-making thing even more deeply here at Newcom. And if that is something that you're interested in, please let me know. And we'll have you join the conversation too. So look, we only have one precious life. One opportunity to do this discipleship dream. (laughs) And so as you do, I want to ask you, are your dreams for discipleship big enough? Are your dreams for discipleship the same as Jesus's dreams? And will you adopt? Will you say yes to his dream, to being a disciple who makes disciples for the rest of your life?